0: Hey, everyone, this is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'm excited to welcome you to another fantastic episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Today, we're talking about iSCSI support in HyperFlex with Cisco expert, Ronnie, and our Cisco Champion hosts, Joe, Dan, and Michael. We'll have Ronnie kick off the conversation with the introduction of today's topic, but before we get there, we're going to go through a quick round of introductions. Okay, Ronnie, we'll start with you. Can you introduce yourself and what it is you do at Cisco?
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Ronnie Chan. I'm a product manager uh, for our hyperconverged infrastructure solution called Cisco Hyperflex, uh, based out of San Jose, California.
0: And do you have a Twitter handle, Ronnie?
1: Uh, I do. It's Ronnie, uh, R-O-N-N-I-E, L-Chan.
0: Next up, Joe, who are you?
2: Howdy y'all, I'm Joe Hughes. I'm a solutions architect for a Cisco partner uh, focused on automation and integration. And you can find me on Twitter at Jay Hughes. that's J-H-O-U-G-H-E-S.
0: Dan, tell us about yourself.
3: Hi, I'm Dan Kelcher. I am an enterprise architecture advisor. So I get to kind of go through and consult on all things infrastructure uh, based out of Minnesota. So it's not snowing, that keeps me happy uh i am antisocial and stay away from twitter so you're not going to find me out there
0: well, that's okay <laughs> michael
3: you're up next hello yeah my name
4: is uh, michael rhodes i am an it manager for a company called north american hoganess which is an industrial manufacturer and my twitter handle is at cisco mikey it's m-i-k-e-y
0: nice one okay ronnie what are we talking about today
1: so, today we're going to talk a little bit about HyperFlex uh, and iSCSI uh, supports. Uh, namely, this is so for um, those of you guys who are uh, maybe perhaps not quite familiar with HyperFlex, let me give a brief intro and then I'll go into the iSCSI bit of it. So HyperFlex is uh, Cisco's hyperconverged infrastructure solution. It's quite a mouthful to say, uh, and what it conceptually really is is the ability to um, almost like deliver a data center in a box. If you will, you think about traditionally running you know virtualized workloads. Um, you need you know servers, switches, and um, storage hypervisor, and they all tend to be um, you know separate pieces of hardware, different vendors. And this whole hyperconverged infrastructure um, kind of technology is really about um, you imagine converging that three tier form factor into just um, essentially rat mouse servers, right? You use the internal storage um, as the storage for your data, and instead of running um, the storage controller logic in these purpose-built hardware uh, storage controllers, you run them in a software form factor, right? In Hyperflex we call these things the controller VMs. And then on the same server, uh, you also run your workload. So there's a hypervisor running there and your uh, um, guest virtual machines or um, even your Kubernetes um, workload can be running on the same machine, same server that's also storing your data. So that's HCI and now uh what um we are excited to talk to you about today is um a new uh capability uh in Hyperflex data platform um is providing um for the first time now in addition to uh running virtualized workloads and you know containerized workloads we're also going to make available um the storage uh in Hyperflex uh as AI iSCSI target so for um, your workloads that need block storage um, whether they're running on hyperflex whether they are outside of hyperflex we now um, make that uh, capacity and that performance uh, for hyperflex available for those use cases
3: so first question i think is going to be just around those use cases so being that we already present storage to our our virtualization platform so uh, primarily i'm guessing VMware. What what are some use cases where where do you see there being kind of the the big easy wins for actually being able to present ice storage as well?
1: Yeah, good question. So the and I would kind of break it down into um, three categories, if you will. Right, um, there are certain workloads. Um, think about uh, Oracle Rack um, Windows failover clusters. Um, so if you, you may want to run, um, for example, SQL uh, database on a Windows field of cluster, for example. Those workloads required um, m- multiple nodes to have shared access to the same disk. Right? So that's one category of use case that we see is workloads requiring um, shared uh, access to the same uh, LUN, the same disk. And then second category of use cases we see are um, where workloads, for workloads where um, where you execute the workload, that execution context is um, it can move around, it's ephemeral. So one good way to um, visualize this is in the Kubernetes context, right? So uh, I may have a workload that gets um, uh, run on a pod and the pod assigned to workers. And the pod requires access to some persistent storage in Kubernetes lingo. That's persistent volumes. And we provide those persistent volumes by way of an iSCSI LUN. Now, depending on where your pod gets assigned to run, right, uh, where your worker nodes uh, get assigned to which worker nodes to run, those worker nodes will need access to your, your uh, persistent volumes so that's why i said the execution context can move around but your data needs to be persistent and in those cases a uh kubernetes becomes um a requirement for those workloads uh and a third category i would say are um kind of even though bare metal workloads are you know lesser in uh number these days they are we still have customers where they are Uh, some applications where it hasn't been virtualized, they do require block storage access, and um, in these cases, um, the ability for us to be able to tell the customer, hey, I know that you're, you know, looking at consolidating a data center footprint, your storage footprint, and it wouldn't be nice if in your HCI stack, you can also carve out some LUNs for some of these external bare metal use cases, right? Just one less thing to manage, right? Um, and then I add a fourth one on there as well. Um, we uh, have customers um, who run Exchange, right, Microsoft Exchange on premises, and as you know, right, when running Microsoft Exchange in a VSphere environment, Microsoft um, uh, doesn't officially support NFS. Um, so um, some of our customers do want to be able to run Exchange using an iSCSI storage uh, back end. So that's kind of the fourth use case, if you will. So I guess, Ronnie, when uh, when can we get our hands on it? Good question. So uh, the this feature will ship with um, Hyperflex 4.5.1a release. And four five one a we are looking at a um, general availability date uh, in late October, maybe early November. Right, so it's right around the corner. Uh, and um, for those of you who maybe are not familiar with kind of our release conventions, four five one is what we call our feature release. This is when we are going to uh, bring to uh, the table some significant new capabilities. Um, we also have a kind of a maintenance release train, right? Um, when you see the number ends in a 2, that's a maintenance release. So this is our feature release. Um, we're very excited um, about uh, bringing some new capabilities to our customers.
2: So, Ronnie, for customers that look to deploy this, um, what are they going to see once they get this release installed inside of their environment? You know, What are going to be the requirements for them to go ahead and leverage uh, iSCSI on an existing HyperFlex cluster?
1: Okay. So, um, for an existing customer, uh, the first thing they do is they would upgrade to a 4.5 release. They'll do an electric Data Platform software upgrade. And then uh, after they upgrade on uh, our management interface at Chicks Connect, they're going to see a, a new button, if you will, right, um, called uh, a new tab, right, iSCSI. And they'll be able to uh, configure iSCSI. In other words, um, that's the workflow you go through to enable the feature. So what that means is, um, this is a feature. In other words, you can upgrade into it. upgrade. You can upgrade your data platform version. You get that capability. Now, in four five one a, we are first going to support our um, FI or Fabric Interconnect based clusters. So these are clusters where um, the clusters live within a single FI domain. They're in the same, you know, in a single location. These are general what we call data center, you know, clusters. Uh in subsequent releases in 4.5, we are um planning to bring iSCSI support also to our stretch clusters as well as our edge clusters, right? So those will come uh subsequent to the initial release. Now um so you upgrade your HXDP um, DP version, you go through a workflow to enable iSCSI, and there we need to start peeling back the onion a little bit uh, in terms of um you know. Uh, uh, how this thing is, um, what the look and feel of this feature is. So, um, for those of you who are familiar with um, kind of HyperFlex um, product, as I said, there is this there's this controller VM concept, right? A collection of um, these controller VMs give you um, the distributed um, file system. And when you turn on Iscsi, um, each of these controller VM will get a new Interface, right? So you need to supply a Iscsi virtual uh network, an Iscsi VLAN, right? So you need to you know prepare a set of you know new set of IP ranges, and each of these controller VMs will get a new interface, right? Uh, on this Iscsi VLAN, and um, there's also a uh virtual IP address, what we call cluster IP address uh, on the Iscsi interface, so Iscsi SIP, if you will. And this cluster IP address um, is uh, it basically provides you a centralized portal for you to lock in and connect, right? Um, we can talk a little bit more about you know how um, an initiator would consume a target on uh, on HyperFlex in a little bit more detail later. But essentially, there's two ways. There's a um, kind of simple way where uh, you can lock into the centralized portal. The portal can be uh, is hosted by one node at any one time. If that node goes down and another node takes over, you know. Pretty simple standard things, uh, but you can also have the initiatives directly lock into the each node's individual iSCSI interfaces, and there are pros and cons to each. We can talk through that. So um, from a standpoint of what's required, right? That's basically uh, it, right? For an FI based cluster, you need to uh, have a um, you know new VLAN, right? Uh, and you need some new IP addresses, right? So if you're gonna consume iSCSI from within the cluster, say these are two VMs I want to create, I want to build a failover cluster on them, that's pretty much all you need, right? We call this the, you know, uh, uh, an L2 use case, if you will. The iSCSI traffic does not go outside of the fabric interconnects, right? Um, now, of course, um, that VLAN also needs to be created on that top of rack switch, right? That um, interconnects the cluster. Um, And So that's something you you do need to remember to do. But from a setup standpoint, right, there's really no net new gear you need to get if you're looking at an L2 use case. Now, um, we do also support an L3 use case, which means um, maybe you have a couple of servers that's not on uh, your iSCSI subnet. You want to get access to a target on Hyperflex. So there, as long as you have routability, between um, that you know source subnet where the uh, initiator sits and uh, the iSCSI um, VLAN. And then you can also come in uh, and consume targets and LUNs from Hyperflex as well.
3: So one thing just to, to kind of clarify. So you said the, the management, that's all
1: HX Connect, right? Yes. So in this first release, the management is all HX Connect uh, and HX Connect is REST API driven so in the future we do um are planning to uh bring support from uh Intersight as well um probably starting with some monitoring and performance charts and such and then bring uh iSCSI workflows in the future into InnerSight So Ronnie um just a question so I have HX
4: for my own data center and i'm using it today it's already been deployed storage is in use how would you see an, an existing customer like myself adapting to uh, my current storage right how like, i'm going to get the button i'm going to turn it on if i'm using my storage do you see people going out and maybe adding storage specially dedicated to those iSCSI targets or do you think they'll be able to go back in scale back to storage free up some and then go out
1: and deploy is that like the proper workflow so uh for an existing uh cluster right when you after you go through the workflow return on iSCSI essentially iSCSI uh and your VM workloads uh, in the existing cluster they consume the same physical pool of storage right so you don't actually need to go and create a separate storage pool and such this that part is kind of abstracted away. In fact, under the covers, what happens when you go through that workflow and enable iSCSI is in, that in the back end, we kind of create a separate data store, if you will, for the, the iSCSI objects. And so when you go to your management interface and in it connect, if you want to pull up, let's say, I want to see my uh, capacity utilization. Um, you can see your capacity utilization in aggregate, VM and iSCSI, as well as just for iSCSI, right? So you can see. Uh, what is my, um, you know, capacity available, what is the actual capacity consumed, those kind of things, the same kind of, you know, metrics you're used to seeing on HX Connect. Very good, thank you.
2: So within HX Connect, um, at least at the release, is there anything that's going to appear in the interface for any sort of monitoring or capturing utilization um, for whatever the uh, external initiators are that are coming into that iSCSI environment? Is there any visibility into that?
1: Yeah, so uh, the utilization metrics um, are there at several levels. So there is the cluster level, but you can also see things down at the target and LUN level, right? Um, you can also see LUN level performance metrics in addition to capacity. So you'll be able to see lanes, the IOPS, and you know throughput down to the LUN level on the Just Connect. And in the future, we'll also bring that visibility to Insight.
3: So with the the storage controllers, so you mentioned adding adding interfaces to the the storage VMs. Uh anything else that needs to change there? A- extra memory, CPUs, anything else that's that's added, or to the do those VMs basically just get an extra extra nick or pair of NICs assigned, and that's it?
1: So, uh, good question. Let me actually dive a little bit in in there as well. Um, the Controller VMs are uh, actually—we're not actually adding a new vNIC to them. What we're doing is um, we're adding an additional port group to the existing vNIC that the storage network interfaces lives on. And we made this decision so that um, the act of turning on iSCSI does not uh, require um, a reboot of the ESX hosts, right? So we we figured that's probably a good thing to try to avoid that. Uh, for our customers. So, um, and it also has some, um, another uh, um, nice kind of advantage there too is um, the, uh, because we're using an existing VNIC, we also kind of benefit from the um, QoS policy on the fabric interconnect that's already there. So, that storage um, uh, network is uh, a, a high quality of service. Already set up in the Fabric Interconnects, right? As part of HyperFlex setup, we do that uh, in the FIs. So it's, you know, no drop um, um, QoS. So if you are using this from a standpoint of an L2 use case within the clusters, it's actually fairly simple, right, Um, uh, for you to uh, up and get going. and sorry, Dan, I forgot the second part of your question, if you could ask it. <laughs> so <again. laughs> CPU and RAM, is there any,
3: any configuration changes or does it the kind of the footprint of those those VMs,
1: does that stay the same? So the plan is for those uh, footprints to stay the same. Uh, now, um, so what that means is if you have two workloads, I have some VMs, I have some uh, iSCSI LUNs. Right. Those workloads are going to um, use the same fixed pool of resources on those controller VMs, right? So um, now uh, separate from the iSCSI feature, um, in the 4.0 release of HyperFlex, we have made available this capi- this uh, capability called Boost Mode. Okay, And what the Boost Mode is, is an um, optional, Um, virtual CPU configuration increase that a customer can utilize. So uh, it um, essentially adds four virtual CPU CPU into the controller VM's reservations. Now, important thing to remember here is in HyperFlex, a controller VM virtual CPU reservation is not a hard reservation. It means that if your workload requires um, that CPU usage, the hypervisor will schedule that. But if your workload is not taxing the um, controller VM to an extent where those virtual CPU becomes necessary, that virtual CPU becomes available for the guest VMs to use the hypervisor will schedule that accordingly. So um, this becomes from a iSCSI context, like a little um, thing in the back of our pocket. So for customers, if they see that, okay, I've turned on iSCSI, I've put some new workloads and I'm seeing that thing slow down a little bit, or the... Um, the controller VMs are getting um, taxed a little bit more, you can go in and turn on boost mode, right? Give it that extra four virtual CPU per controller VM, right? And give yourself a little bit of a boost. Now, um, there are some uh, prerequisites, right? You do need to have uh, obviously that available um, virtual CPU for you to throw into the controller VM on your box. Uh, And you also need to be mindful that uh, the number of cores, physical cores, you have on your uh, servers, and be mindful not to cross the NUMA boundary. Otherwise, you're gonna suffer in terms of uh, control VM performance.
2: So, Ronnie, as for new deployments of HyperFlex, once uh, 451A is out, uh, is iSCSI going to be a capability of bringing on a new cluster, or is the standard HyperFlex cluster deployment gonna have to go through and then you can add iSCSI through the user interface after deployment?
1: It is the latter. So iSCSI is a day, what we call day two configuration enablement. So you do, if you're standing up a new cluster, you go through your regular EGX installation process. You can use that, um, like you can do that through Intersight, right? Um, You can do that via our classic installer on prem, like if you are in, uh, if you prefer that uh, that method. Um, and then after you've done your installation, you go do your um, iSCSI configuration workflow as a day two operation. And we the reason why we kind of chose that is because um, we anticipate um, iSCSI to be kind of a, um, a supplementary use case, if you will. We do still anticipate most of our customers to be running VMs, Um, We've seen more and more customers interested in running and are running Kubernetes. Um, So, like iSCSI becomes sort of this third thing. We do see, you know, some customers will run it, but certainly we're not designing this in the mind that everybody would want iSCSI. So, we didn't feel it was prudent to, you know, put everybody through an extra hoop of, okay, you need another new network. You need a new set of IP addresses that you for a feature you may or may not use. So, that's why it's a day two.
4: I could definitely see a lot of uh, DBAs loving this where they could spin up, you know, grab their data, copy their data, replicate database and, you know, troubleshoot or do what they need to do. So it's a pretty neat feature to actually have built in. And it's like an old school feature too. You're like, okay, icecuzzy has been around for so long. It's nice to see that Cisco hasn't forgot about it and has brought it to the forefront with HyperFlex.
1: Yeah, and I had to go back and Take a look at a, uh, a sneaker presentation, but I mean Cisco was actually one of the in the beginning, uh, along with IBM and HP and some others, were you know part of you know the working group defining the standards on iSCSI. So it's kind of interesting where you know uh, bringing this uh, support uh, of a um, older protocol, but you know still a fairly valid use cases. Um, our customers um, tell us that uh, as well, right? Um, and um, speaking of DBAs, uh, there is another feature that we think um, DBAs among our install base might like. So, Iscsi in in the first release of Iscsi, we're going to make available native clones. So, for our VM users, they be uh, they might have you know tried this. Um, technology in the hi- in the HyperFlex environment, right? You can uh, because hi- HyperFlex is this um, lock-structured file system, right? When you do a snapshot or a clone, it's essentially a metadata operation in our file system. That's why it is so fast. Right? In the old days, some of the old SC tells me they used to be uh, they used to do a demo where they would clone, you know, do a hundred clones in front of a customer as a demo, right? Um, so that uh, cloning capability is coming to iSCSI, right? You'll be able to do a long clone. Um, so uh, a typical use case for that, you know, if you let's say I'm doing a let's say I'm, I I have an Oracle environment where you know in order to reduce my Oracle licenses, I want to have a couple of servers running Oracle outside of the HyperFlex, but I want to give it a LUN, right, so that you consume the storage from uh, HyperFlex, right? And let's say the same uh, at the same time, I want to you know be uh, I have a new version of my um, uh, on my application, I want to test. So I want to clone, you know, the Oracle database, uh, and I want to run it on because this is a test dev. Uh, let me just run this um, in a virtualized manner on the cluster. So you can do that um, with this cloning feature. You can do LUN clones, and furthermore, um, we've also uh, we're also making available a Windows um, HyperFlex Windows cloning agent. So what that means is, um, if you have an application that runs in Windows. Um, we can actually take advantage of um, volume shadow copy, right? This technology in, in Windows and, um, to um, give a kind of application consistent quies point, right? Um, so uh, go through the VSS framework, achieve that quiet point, uh, and then we'll take the clone of the LUNs, right? And then um, you can consume that LUN uh, in a test dev context, right? Um, so that feature is also available now because VSS is a Windows-only uh, capability. It is only it is limited to Windows, but cloning itself is available to Linux as well, right? But in the Linux context, you need to um, create that quiet point in your application.
3: So speaking of kind of the servers and the connections and all that, the so redundancy, so we've got multiple storage controllers. We presumably are going to have multiple links. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how we're we're basically making sure that those those iSCSI connections are, are going to remain up and available in the event of a you know disk failure, node failure, something like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let me um, answer that questions in two scenarios. So the first scenario is the simplified lock and via the central portal with the iSCSI SIP that I alluded to earlier. Right? So in that context, there is a node within um, the cluster that hosts the SIP. And when you um, log in, right, so the simplicity is that when I set up my iSCSI uh, initiator, the only IP I need to know is that SIP. Now, I don't need to worry about who, which node in the cluster is hosting that SIP, right? If, that, uh, if a node that has that SIP um, is going down for maintenance or whatever, right, another node takes over, right? So it's fairly simple from a user perspective. Now, we also have a uh, new capability in the back end where we are going to be uh, monitoring the number of ISCSI connections that are being uh, made to each controller VM, and we're going to do load balancing against that. So if um, let's say you uh, find yourself in a a point in the the cluster where um, a lot of uh, the connections are going into one node for whatever reason, right? Um, existing connections can get low balance to an other controller VM via an iSCSI target moved response. Essentially, via the protocol, we're telling the initiator, your target has moved. This is, is IP address, and that IP address is the new um, controller VM, the controller VM where it's moving to. That controller VMs, iSCSI IP, right? So uh, because we're making use of this feature in the protocol is non-disruptive um, to the application. And of course, if you create new um, iSCSI connections, uh, it's going to consult the same mapping, right? And trying to, and the system in the back end will try to load balance things uh, as evenly as possible, right? So uh, using that central portal, that's how load balancing and high availability would work. Um, now, uh, we also recognize that uh, amongst our customers, um, so whereas they're using a centralized portal, you know, probably make a lot of sense if you're not coming from a storage background, right? And a lot of our customers who are uh, who manages HyperFlex, they are you know virtualization administrators, they're not you know first nature storage people. So for them, that's great, right? I don't, they don't have to wrangle MPIO and all that stuff. But there are also, you know, um, those of our customers who are storage guys, and maybe their standard in that enterprise is that I want to um, use MPIO. I want to have, um, let's say, initiators have two lakes, right? Um, different IP addresses co- coming from different subnet, and I want the initiators to have multiple simultaneous connections to an iSCSI target, and we support that as well. One way to think about it is that if I have, let's say, a four node HyperFlex cluster, right, I have four controller VMs, and I have an initiator, let's say, living on a bare metal server, it's got two NICs, right, uh, I can open eight connections from the initiator to uh, HyperFlex. And I can use, um, be it the Windows DSM uh, driver or the Linux Multipath IO driver, um, and make um, Round robin, you know, be a multipath I/O decision. Use maybe like, be a round robin or least queue depth or whatever, and have um, essentially the initiator MPIO driver make the call, which connections you want to use, right, for your I/O. Um, now the thing to remember there is when you use that, um, it becomes the responsibility of the multipath I/O driver or initiator to be aware of what connections you have established and the status of those connections, the our backend, that load balancing logic becomes unaware because you're not going through the SIP, right? So then for those customers, they do need to, you know, make sure that you configure things correctly. You're gonna use it that way.
2: So for the traditional storage admins, um, I guess the next question is, is there an MPIO driver that you are requiring or a proprietary driver that you're releasing or are you relying on just the underlying OS?
1: We are relying on the underlying OS. So we are qualifying our own QA is testing um, the Windows DSM uh, driver, as well as the Linux multi-path, um, like the end multi driver.
2: Good news. Um, and I guess the next question, just specifically asking about the load balancing, all of that is being obfuscated from users, right? There's no, there's no path selection that anyone can modify for that load balancing, correct?
1: That's correct. So if you're using the centralized um lock in portal using the SIP, right, in the back end we are handling the load balancing. There's no user configuration or input uh required for that to work. We're trying to take one, you know, unnecessary knob away, <laughs> if you will, for simplicity.
3: So with uh with the hyperflex um so you said this is coming out with the new new software release uh as far as hardware goes so we've got nvme systems we've got flash systems anything any issues there is there any uh anything that's going to be kind of a caveat oh you bought xyz this isn't going to work or is this it if you can run the 451 code you're good to go
1: yeah, thank you for asking that important question. If you can run the 451 code, um, you're good to go. Uh, the only exception at 451A timeframe is, like I said, the stretch cluster and edge cluster support won't be there for 451A. Um, we intend to bring that forward in the subsequent 45 release. Now, um, the but in so far as the hardware that you run, right, our we have some customers that run hybrid, all flash, all NVMe, Some of them have M4, M5, or MEX. Some of them have conversion nodes and compute nodes. All of those combinations will be supported from day one, right? So um, you'll be able to upgrade to 4.5 and turn on iSCSI for all of those hardware combinations.
4: What about licensing?
1: Who can access this? So uh, I am happy to (laughs) report that. iSCSI, um, from a license perspective, um, it will be available in our data center standard license, right? Um, that's the um, HyperFlex um, licenses have, you know, Edge and data center, are sort of these two families. And the data center standard is the lower um, tier in that data center family. Fantastic.
0: All right. Well, this has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I want to thank all of you out there for listening in today and a special thank you to Ronnie, Joe, Dan, and Michael for being a part of today's episode. Uh, Click on the link provided in the podcast description to access more information on today's topic. And just a reminder, be sure to look for this episode and every other episode that we've ever recorded anywhere you listen to podcasts, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TalkShoe, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. See you next Monday.